it's I used to race motocross, motorcycles, and and um, the, one of the, thing, the the key teachings of that of that of any kind of sport where there's dynamic lapping and stuff going on is you've got to go faster around the same track, and you do it by repetition. And you don't do it by looking at the wheel in front of you. You look at it by looking three turns ahead and smoothing the bumps out. So you're looking at a place where nobody else is looking. That's usually why people go faster. So the whole thing with the business is to grow, is to you've got to make them to look up because typically what they do is they keep looking at what's in front of them, today's P&Ls, yesterday's KPIs, not tomorrow's, t- tomorrow's hard strategies. We call them the big rocks. There'll be three things we'll uncover, two things, four things that we'll uncover which are the major hurdles. That's the big rocks. Hi, and welcome to Dreams with Deadlines, a podcast where you'll hear real stories of trials and victories in business. I'm Jenny Harold, VP of Product Marketing at GTM Hub. Our mission is to prevent organizational hypocrisy. And inspired by the proven objectives and key results goal-setting methodology, GTM Hub offers the most flexible business orchestration software for mission-driven organizations to provide clarity of strategy and execution across teams, functions, and business units. Check us out at gtmhub.com to learn more. Have you ever thought about what you want to be doing in five years' time? Is your main objective at work clear to you? Do you know what you need or want to change in your life? In this episode, I'm joined by David Anderson, OKR Systems Coach at Oxen OKR. He believes if you want to succeed at life and in business, you need to set goals. More specifically, you need OKRs. David and I explore what it means to live the OKR life the blue zone of OKRs, and business lessons we can learn from motocross racing. Let's jump in. All right, David, thank you for being on the show. Actually, for those listening right before this, it was an incredible effort to get my internet working and headphones set up. So let's have fun, David. Yeah, we'll try that. It was a bit of a mess around from my perspective there, getting the sound right. Yeah, but it's worth it. I'm sure it's worth it. You can tell it'll make a difference. Yeah, so yeah cool. I think so. We're cool. We're cool. Okay, so for the folks listening, I'd like to start here. Who's David? And can you tell us about your journey and how you arrived at what you do today? Sure. So my name is David Anderson. We, um, I'm, I'm, I'm one of three guys who created this company called Oxen OKR. This came from a background of being involved in the tech industry for a lot of years. My background is mechanical engineering, came into the tech world. Uh, for the last 15 years, we worked as um, independent kind of coaches. That came together about six years ago as a company called Oxen. We pivoted in doing what we're doing into the whole world of OKRs. Formally two years ago, it informally, or not, not, not specifically, but three, three and a half years ago. So we found a profound interest in the whole subject matter area. And for me, it was, it was unfinished business. Uh, I'd spent a lot of my time working on things like balance scorecard, business dashboards, all, all this kind of KPI management. And the logic of OKRs kind of came together. So that's what we did. We focused on that. And that's kind of all we do now. So Oxen, 
Like it has a meaning. I remember I asked you about this before. Can you go into like, because I think naming is important. Wait, firstly, it's hard. I think this is why there's such a big industry on naming babies. Yeah. It's hard to name things. Yeah. How did you come to the name Oxen? Well, it was, uh, again, this was when six or seven, seven years when we, when we kicked off. It was uh, primarily the, the work that we did was around business strategy and growth execution of companies. That was the whole goal of what we did. And the guy that I worked with, who used to be the MD of Coca-Cola Europe, was a, was a partner of ours at that time. And he, his, his skill set was branding. And um, so he did some research on what we were doing, where we were going, and what the kind of the, the, the brand analogy would be. And he came up with this this word "ogs in," which is um, you know a lot of people when they, when they, they, they say it's "ogs in," as it as in when I've just done with the microphone, you provide an, an auxiliary in, as if we're an auxiliary into a company. It's nothing at all to do with that at all. What it, what it actually is, is Latin auxines, which is the growth enabling agent in all things green. So when you look around, uh, everything that's green is the reason why they grow. Is it grows is because of auxines. So we thought that was a perfect analogy because the whole role of our, around what we do is not about quick fix. It's not about short-term training. It's all about enabling um, change over a period of time, uh, which is what we do. So we're growth enabling agents if you like uh, in, in business and in the name kind of really really fits that mantra i think that's lovely i think something that set you apart from everyone else i've talked to and i think this is where we have overlap is that you had mentioned the first time we met that okrs or objectives and key results goes beyond the skills and the framework but rather and i'm going to coin this phrase with you it's about living the okr life yeah yeah. Can you go into a little bit, if you don't mind sharing, like what that actually means? Because you shared some stories with me about how OKRs have helped you personally, mm-hmm. how it's helped your business, and then obviously that's helping your clients. So can you kind of talk through what does it mean to live that OKR life? So my role is working with Oxin. I've got other business interests. I've got other personal interests. My life is congested with hobbies. I've got too many hobbies, too many things going on. And when you're trying to focus that down and sort of say what's measure what matters and focus on the important, there was clearly too many things going on in my life. And uh, so one of the, one of the side kind of uh, business interests I've got is in the environmental space with uh, with electric bikes, frankly, but it's active travel. And it struck a chord to me because as a massive petrol head, I've had every kind of fast car on the man, but they are just pointless, stupid things. And, and I realized that, you know, the Porsche's got to go and everything else. So that was one of the things that we did. We also got rid of a property, which we had a ski property, which I love dearly, but it was not getting used to the maximum. So we thought, what's the point of managing all that? I was involved in this business kind of really deeply and to, to the point that it was causing me concern personally. And I want to focus on doing what we're doing here. So I made the decision that there was, you know, objective, clear the decks uh, or, or, or words to that effect. And, you know, the, the, the key initiatives around that was, 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 was getting rid of those things. One was, was too many cars, too many overheads, a property which I didn't really need and, and benefit from. Um, and also this company, which was great, uh, but I wasn't pr- providing the right amount of resource and time. So there were the three major 
initiatives I had to focus upon. The measures were, the key results were, get rid of them, sell them, do what I needed to do. So that was that was the thing. So it was really focusing down on on what was make, not make, making me not happy. So at 30th of December last year, all of those things, the final one was the property sale, everything came to fruition because I set myself, my personal living the OKR life, of, cl- of clarifying, clearing the decks and getting rid of the, of the unnecessary, which we did last year and the last day of the year. And that, that absolutely helped me to, to now to focus personally and, 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 and focus on what's, what's the, important, the important piece. And as a result, the bike business has gone through the roof. We've done three times the turnover. Not because I'm out of the, out of the picture, it's because I'm putting the appropriate energies in and allowing, allowing the beast to grow. And it is. Uh, Oxygen itself is now really thriving and growing. We're, we're in the process, so I'll t- talk about that in a minute, about, about our growth strategy. But we are now covering a lot of different continents in the world uh, with, with our reach and our engagements. And that's, that's really exciting. So I think the whole thing around this is. Focus on what's important personally. Make sure you actually do something about it rather than just talk about it. But this percolates down what OKRs are all about. I think you had mentioned to me last time and I was like, oh, this is cool. You had said it is impossible to scale a belief without a system. Mm-hmm. Did I say that, Jenny? Did you, you said this to me, David. You're yeah. like, it is impossible <laughs> to scale a belief without yeah, a system. Absolutely. So what does that mean? Can you yeah. unpack that for leaders that will be listening to this or managers or yeah. you know, tech leads or whomever? Because really the foundation of this is beyond like the measures and the objective titles and all that. It's yeah. scaling belief. Yeah. I think yeah. you and I agree to that. So. Yeah, no, we did. I, I, I just because the point is in our work, it, it, it starts with the board. It starts with the C-suite. It starts with the policymakers. And the debates that we've had with various seven companies of business leaders of some stunning companies, it's, 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 it's super exciting. You know, the, the, you get them to join together and see the, see the unseeable and all those kind of good things, which, which great coaching and great questioning and you know, great spirit in a room will enable. So that's, that creates an OKRs framework, and uh, there's all sorts of things which me and Peter and Mark have, have, and the guys have been witness to where it's kind of pretty hostile sometimes, and you've got this kind of getting people to see the, 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 the same thing. Is, is it, it, takes, it takes effort and challenge and belief, and belief again. So that's fine. That works. And so we eventually get a situation where they say the, the, the kind of the silence emits in the room because... Oh, I see it. I get it. Understand. I understand. They understand what, what we've managed to, to achieve, what they've managed to achieve, really. We're just liberating that. That they can see on one piece of paper what they've got to do, what these simple things are within their business. And that's such a liberating moment. That's great. So what happens next? So we're then in a situation where we've got to translate that story. So that story is all about, yeah, let's go storytelling. And we all know what happens to stories. It just it gets kind of changed a bit along the way. And one person's way of explaining that is completely different from another. And we use the expression vocabulary of understanding. It's kind of my interpretation, it would be different from yours and different from Peter's. So there's got to be a standard. The standard is 
as we say, we create this one-page framework called our OKRs framework. It's one. It's, we always believe it's one page, a visual kind of thing in everything we do. Pictures worth a thousand words. That's a story. Now, how you tell that story, you're aided by that, but that's one piece of paper or a PDF or whatever. If it's going to get rolled out to a department, division, a team, or whatever, or combinations of those things, there's got to be consistency with their understanding and consistency in, in their take of what we're, what we're doing and how they take that and then roll it into their interpretation of meeting their goals that support those goals which are aligned. So we're in this situation where what will happen, it will work at one department, one division, one team, it will work with two. Past that, it's going to, you're going to struggle because, we, we, again, another expression is one version of the truth. If there's, if there's one version of the truth that, that happened in that boardroom, it's make, we're going to make sure that that's, that's, that's kind of rolled out. So you can only do that in certain ways, you know, by instruction and verbally, whatever. But this is where systematizing, whichever way it is, is crucial to spreading that message and making sure it's consistent. And if there's any changes, that there's a way of, 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 of rippling that change out to the people. But, you know, I've just seen this morning, we've just had a board meeting this morning with this bike company. It was cases set in the OKRs for this quarter. They've been done with such care and such kind of general kind of understanding that it's it's great thing to actually get that put into a system so people can see it and you can explain to them, you can drill into it and look, that's where that comes from. That's where those those parameters either from a KPI, it's a, it, it's a key result, it's 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 from initiative. You, you, you can see it. So we're using the system to help to educate and communicate. How the heck could you do that, Mindy? It's impossible. How could you do that by email? How could you do that by verbal mandate? You couldn't. So it's got to be done on, on a system. And this is where, you know, so uh, I don't know if I'm getting off being here, but we, we talked a bit about uh, one of our goals, which we put in place last year, was getting, so to get where the action is, was one of the, the key paradigms of, of the objective, which meant that we would get to people to speak and work with people like yourselves. We were getting to where the action was, whether it's by SEO, so you search for us, you'll find us. If we're working with the right levels of partners, we're hanging out in the right cities to, to get to know the, the right sort of people. So that was the, the mantra, that was the objective, which is memorable and communicated via tools. But it helped spread that, that message out there. To be able to scale your strategy, you need to be able to scale belief, and it needs to happen through a system. That's cool. Mm -hmm. We also know that we are in a very challenging environment, Yeah. right? COVID has shown us that it's not enough to deliver on transactional-based work. That probably was true for a long time now. It's just become more apparent now yeah. that we've had to make some changes. Based on what you're seeing and working with senior leaders, what are some of the challenges they're facing as they're kind of transforming, if you will, from like transactional parochial models to really being able to be adaptive. Yeah. What are the challenges to that transformation? Well, I think the, um, the very fact that we're having this conversation here today, thousand miles from each other, and we've talked twice, and I feel like I kind of know you as a pal, it's, it's testimony to the technology that we use that clearly works. I think the 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 because the other interesting aspect of the, of the work that I'm doing now is to grow this associate base and grow our, our work with other software vendors. 
I'm doing the same with a lot of the guys from from different places around the world. Today, I've been to Dublin, Berlin. I'll be going off to Southwest India uh, later later this afternoon, and that's pretty cool. <laughs> you know, without without leaving the desk. What happened in COVID? All these organisations, all of them, all of them, were suddenly chucked into this situation, saying, "Nah, guys, there's nobody make a coffee for you. Your, your PA isn't here today. You're at home." Uh, you better make sure you can work from home and understand how to use it and start being cool with it and stuff and, and start having Zoom meetings with your family so you can realize it's not so scary. I'm not being funny, but it's it's not the norm for most business people who have done that. So we're in this kind of paradigm of transformation, of, of changing behavior forcefully, which has enabled people to actually work this way and build their own special relationships. So now we're in a situation of saying, like, how the heck did we get through as much work? I think, and this is back to my personal beliefs, uh, my belief system is the waste of time and money and more importantly, environmental damage that we caused by travel is unacceptable in this world. If we can do this, better get used to it, guys, and let's make, let, let's make the most of it. Big companies for a while had lifespans of like 61 years. Now we're looking at below 20. Can you talk a little bit about that idea that you know you kind of brought to my attention? previously blue zones of okrs so i think the whole thing around this is blue zones epitomized to me lifestyle happiness and if we think about and i think we talked about good to great jim collins book and some of the companies that 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 succeed past 100 years are not the ones from the highfalutin kicking butt kind of big organizations the ones who are big companies but they're driven by people who care so the leadership mm. of that company really cares about the outcomes of their people and their, their health and well-being of their people, believing that a happier workspace will make for a more productive workspace and everybody wins. And so I think my analogy around Blue Zones was the, the analogy of saying that if people can live happy lives and live longer than 100 years, and Jim Collins was going on about good to great, uh, maybe it's along the same paradigm that wasn't connected together. But I think that's that's the, the thing. Make happy people, happy places to work, and it will be, be better fortunes for all. Like you said, there's it's a social contract to some extent, as well as a, an actual contract. They signed up to work in your organization, but there's a social responsibility. I think of leaders to be able to look at their organizations, hopefully help everyone have you know a safe, healthy working environment be clear on expectations, where the business is headed, and and make sure that everybody else can find their place in that environment. And that's what it comes down to. It's it's helping people find their place, just like these blue, t- blue zones groups have found their people, and they work together, you know, to be happy. And I think if you, if you parallel that to, to, to some good companies, I can only speak from experience, you know, where whereby perceived good company was where we had the X company culture. And that was kind of dictated. You were told we have a culture. Okay. And if you don't go to the pub on Fridays, you're not part of that culture. But this, it was, it was meant to care. And it kind of was there to care. But it was driven by people whose egos were just horrifically self-motivated. So when a fellow director goes to somebody in a business says, my business, blah, blah, blah. And I said, if you call this business yours again, 
when I am a shareholder in his business, that's that's us over. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's not about you. And so I think this the point about that was an, there was an observation. I'm looking now at what we've created, plug ride electric, which is our electric bike company. It's driven as a it's a tech it's a startup, it's a tech company. We we sell electric bikes through electric means, electric digital means. But it's it's run by some brilliant, brilliant people who've got a genuine belief in what, what's happening and a genuine care for each other. And and you know, they really, really care. And there's no written contract of charter of we've got a culture. It's just grown naturally. So my point about this is it's so important if you're going to grow a company to have great culture allied with OKRs because without great culture, OKRs are a complete waste of time. So if we don't have this belief of sharing and, and unity, it's going to work. But to my, 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 my perception, it isn't that hard. You've got to remember to say we and us and not I and me. And it's, that's the start of a 10, but a lot of companies just forget the basics and stuff and they think it's all out of them. And, and that's where it all goes wrong, frankly. So I think there's a, there's a, there's a lesson I would suggest is to, to make sure if you're a leader, you've got a massive responsibility to make sure you're, you're, you're passing that kind of good feeling around. It's not that hard to do. You should stop thinking about yourself for once. Something that I often say and I totally think I stole this from someone at some point and forgive me for whoever that is I don't remember who but they had said that culture is really shaped by who you hire who you fire who you reward and who you reprimand yeah as much as you would want to put something on a wall and say these are our company values right yeah people are going to look at the behavior of their peer group, of their leaders, of who's getting promoted, of who's getting let go, of who's getting recognition. And they're like, oh, this is this person and they behaved this way and this is the result that I see. Ah, maybe I need to behave like that in order for me to go to, you know, the next level or whatever. And it really, I think we underplay those decision points a lot in business Mm -hmm. where we, we say, you know, here are company values, go here to go read them. We even incorporate them perhaps in assessments, professional assessments every year where it's like, how is this person modeling these core behaviors? But I think it boils down to those four things. And so if you hire well, especially, you know, when you're a small business and you're starting to scale, you've already determined based on that group of people and how they interact with each other what your culture is going to likely look like yeah. for some time. They yeah. really established that, I think. Yeah. It, so speaking of what you're, we were talking about growing business, something that I think you would know more about, I kind of know about from a product perspective, but I'd love to hear your take is, you know, OKRs and being able to share that storyline of this is what we're trying to achieve, like you said, to one department or even two departments or whatnot. The story can stay pretty intact. People can get it. You can transmit that information and they can probably internalize it fairly well, right? It's not going to get altered very much. But there are companies like hundreds of thousands, you know, hundreds of thousands of employees, and they're trying to adopt OKRs or have. What has your experience been in in seeing what OKR engagements at scale? What does that look like? People within businesses, because they've never been given this credibility of the 
of their understanding of what it's all about. They didn't know the reasons why we're doing what we're doing or what they were, they were saying, oh, we can't do that because our department can't do it. It's not about our department, it's about the impact of the business to the impact of the customer, ultimately. So we're going to get people together to look up and look forward. It's it's trying to make the, the machine run smoothly. I'll come back to that in a minute. But the whole thing around this was you've got to have validation of the clarity and repeat the message again and again. So you've, you've read it. It's it's Confucius. I hear, I forget, I say, I remember, I do, I understand. We've got to do, I understand a few times to get that kind of burned in. So I went to, back to subsequent sessions with these guys and just in, in talking with people randomly over coffee and stuff, they were telling me what, they were, what the plans were and why they were going to do it. So they were informing me from two or three tiers away from where I'd been and they got it. Now that's that's down to the fact that there's clarity of the messaging, but also enthusiasm within the team who did it. So it's it's important that champions are the right people. They are they are not instructional people, they're they're motivational leaders, back to your point about leaders. They're they're able to inspire, convince, communicate, doing all those good things, you know. The other factor of this, of this particular organization, I was absolutely, I've never been in this situation before, that everybody in meetings was totally respectful. Nobody talked over anybody else. Everybody allowed, allowed each other to finish their own report back to who was the leader in the room and stuff, gave them the, the credence, never fought against it, had put good debate about around these things. And it was the most well-disciplined, well-trained organization, of which we all know who they are, but I'm going to mention names, of course. But it was uh, it was a spirit to see. So I think there's a situation of a, a certain discipline, sort of responsibility within the company, based upon what they do generally in terms of um, of training, that that makes makes the adoption of any new methodology work. What I'm gathering is the established companies that you're seeing are confronted with the need to change, which they knew was going to happen anyway, probably. Now there's an acceleration of that change. Then how do you get everybody on board, so to speak, if we're going to use that analogy? Whereas maybe a growth stage company already was working this way. They were probably adaptable to a work from home situation or part, you know, remote work. So the communication infrastructure that they needed, you know, the setup that they needed, the style and approach of work probably since they're, you know, they're small. Like they're able to be a lot more nimble. Whereas larger institutions, I imagine like that information and being able to dissect like where are we inefficient? Where are we slow? You know, where is the core base product really delivering? Do we have growth opportunities and trying to piece all of that together to reach that larger strategy? That's that's tough. And then throw in there a bunch of people who have to be retrained a little bit on what tooling they've got to use at home, getting set up, you know. It's a different style of work. What is the belief and what is our role? What is, what is the whole thing around this, you know? And I, I, I don't know if I've mentioned before, it's, I used to race motocross, motorcycles, and, and um, the, one of the, thing, the, the key teachings of that, of that, of any kind of sport where there's dynamic lapping and stuff going on, is you're going to go faster around the same track and you do it by repetition. And you don't do it by looking at the wheel in front of you. You look at it by looking three turns ahead and smoothing the bumps out. So you're looking at a place where nobody else is looking. That's usually why people go faster. 
So the whole thing with the business is to, is to grow is to you've got to make them to look up because typically what they do is they keep looking at what's in front of them, today's PLs, yesterday's KPIs, not tomorrow's t- tomorrow's hard strategies. We call them the big rocks. There'll be three things we'll uncover, two things, four things that we'll uncover, which are the major hurdles. That's the big rocks. And if, if we don't get people to focus on the big rocks, the business as usual stuff will happen. But they tend to focus on the BAU stuff instead of like saying, oh, I've got to move the big rock. It's like a lot of hard work. Yes, it is. That's what you've got to do. So mm. I think the, the thing around, around, around this kind of whole focus and sharing the belief is we can move this rock, guys. We can move it. It's possible. I really enjoyed our conversation. As I, I usually do, I'm going to wrap it up with some quick fire questions. What do you appreciate about your team? I love the sense of the unbelievable nature in what we're doing right now. And say so we went from, not to say we're any different than the people we are now, we went from provincial business consultant coaches into working with the top, top businesses in the world, literally, more or less overnight, certainly within a period of months, and it didn't phase us. And I think that sort of that sort of approach, which says we can go into the boardrooms of the biggest companies and not be scared at all and realize that, hey, they're just the same as you and I. In actual fact, they kind of like what we say because we speak the truth that we don't have any axe to grind. But I love the, I love the fact that we've, we've managed to do something which in our minds would be absolutely impossible to believe. If somebody said to me, because of OKRs, we're focused on where we're going, we didn't actually realize, we were saying we'd like to do some work overseas, we want to play in the corporate space. We didn't actually really think that we'd really, really get there. But we did, and it's now second nature. And I, and I, and I love that sense of belief, number one. That's, that, that's, that's what I kind of love. I think the other thing is the, 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 the longevity that we've all known each other gives you the sense of loyalty and dependability, which I don't need to see them every day or whatever. We know we've been on a block together and we've got a lot of history and call upon that we wouldn't mess anything up. So it's a sense of a sense of that trust is also a thing which I, which I really rate. Second question. Yeah. What is your greatest dream and its associated deadline? Really, there's two, there's, there's two things that I, I, I have in terms, in terms of what we're doing is, number one, this electric bike business, we are transforming the way that we're, we're engaging the electric bikes, active transport into the, the, the general purpose. Everybody, everybody, it's not selling sports bikes to sports riders at all. So we're in a situation where we've, we've got some ambitious goals about our tracking technology, which is gonna make us the largest have the largest data source of, e- of e-bikes in the planet. You know, that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the big picture. You've got to have aspirational goals here. You know? So that's what I want to see happen. I want to see us transforming that business from being what it's been, which is a great small, well, it's national now. International, we've got, we've got operations overseas. It is something which is totally transformed from the, the fact that it was an e-bike that enables us to get the e-bike is the vessel for delivering our tracking technology. That's that's kind of where we're going. Oh God, there's my strategy. It's out there. But um, I want to see that. That's my that's my goal is to build that business into something that everybody can be really really proud of in a new industry area which is not is not being designed yet. The second thing is we are in the process of, of scaling what we're doing with Oxen OKR. 
And again, it's in the same audacious kind of goals that we want to have the largest network of um, accredited OKR coaches in the world. And I think we're going to get there, you know, because that's the basis of this of this of this of this business. Now it's making the what we what we've learned in the style with which we've done it becomes scalable, and we've got methods and approaches around all that. We've made some great friends with a lot of the OKR kind of consultants in across Europe, certainly, and now extending around the world. And we want to grow that as a kind of um, as, as a network, which we're doing, and also work with great companies like yourselves and other people that we work with who've got really exciting, ambitious plans around the future growth of what OKR is. So we want to build the, our business around, around that and have that in a situation that, say, in three years' time, we sell, we, we sell that, that off to another consultancy practice. What have I done? Why have you made that plan? I'm thinking through what I want to be when I grow up, and it's really wonderful. I enjoy listening to other people's dreams because it helps me dream a little bit more and a little bit bigger than I had been. Can you describe an experience with one of your clients where you were extraordinarily proud of your work and what your client was able to achieve? The pride from my perspective is coming from a situation which you're going into a, into a new situation with a, in a scary environment which you've never been before by yourself and it's only up to you to take control of that situation and make sure that the outcomes of the day are met. I've done that on more than one occasion, but, but there's one particular time where it was that, where it, it's it's in this massive company, and it, I think, oh my goodness, this is this is super scary. But you just you're so scared, you're scared to come into the building. It's 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 that it's that scary. But you get in the building. We've had this meeting at the end of at the end of that. They've able to document together with them their OKRs framework. We did it as a team, and they were able to say, we are happy, we've achieved what we need to achieve, and we're able to share this now with the rest of the team. Now, that, to me, is you've got to, you've got to be there to actually explain the, the, the process going from raw talent, overall building, you know, rely on the conference you've been here many, many times before, into a situation of saying, look, keep cool and getting people on site and building this 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 kind of agreed framework with lots of different inputs and ideas to get to something which is which is quantifiable and concrete at the end of that session. Now, to me, that that was in itself uh, a, a brilliant thing. The the where 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 that was taken to is a secondary thing, but to to me that that was that was the kind of uh, that's a, that's what that's what coaches get. You know, I've done a lot of talking now with a lot of coaches, and that's what they, a lot of them who, who like being coaches love that challenge of, um, of solving the problem, of being in a situation which is pretty terrifying to prove your, your worth, and you come out at the end of it, and you yes, think you're good, and it's a great feeling. If you were to give the listeners, like, one piece of advice, the most important piece of advice that you can transmit for folks who are thinking about adopting OKRs or have done it and failed and yeah. want to try it again, yeah. what advice would you give them? Okay, one of the things that we do is, is a thing called OKRs reboot for the very reason of people who tried and, and, and not succeeded. Let's say not failed, not succeeded. Because it's the way that 
businesses have been led to believe they acquire tools as if they're going to buy a spade from the from the hardware store. You can't. There was once a time when CRM systems, 15, 20 years ago, when that first kind of kicked out, we were seeing this all the time. People, companies were going, people are buying these, I've got a CRM system and it's going to transform a sales force, you know, and it's going to make me really successful as a sales director. Uh-uh. No, you've got to implement them correctly. It's the same as anything else. And we've seen a failure of, of CRMs. We've seen a failure of OKR systems because people think, Oh, it's just another reporting tool because they're missing the vital clue, which is what we've been talking about all the way through this thing, this belief system and the communication of it. And the cleverness, I've got to say, the astuteness. Uh, you know, another good thing is some of the things I've seen Peter Kerr do in terms of understanding situation. I say, how did he get to think that? That's brilliant. It's the genius of setting OKRs a lot of the times, which we're not trained to do and to do it for ourselves it's really hard because you're too close to the close to, to the problem so one of the things if you look at any startup company what we always have said right from the get-go talk to as many people get as much advice as you can don't take it all but talk to as many people and make your own version of the, of the advice up thanks a lot for being on the show david this has been a really great pleasure chatting with you today i learned a lot I hope our listeners did too. So thanks a lot. Jenny, it's been an absolute pleasure. You know, it's, it's great uh, getting on, on having a conversation like this because it's very relaxed. And I'm, I'm talking from where I really, really feel about things. There's no, there's no bug in there. Well, that's it for this episode of Dreams with Deadlines. Thanks for listening. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe and share. Show notes can be found on gtmhub.com radio. If you want to learn more about our product and services, head out to gtmhub.com. If you have questions that you'd like answered on the show, shoot us an email at radio at gtmhub.com. Tune in next time.